in my eagerness to move into this building, just move in general. I like to move around. Anybody like to move around? I like new stuff. I am sensing that um, the Holy Spirit was telling me that He's allowing us to experience some things that are in the Word of the Year before it's released. And I, li- I like that now. Yeah, at first. You know, at first when you have an agenda, do you ever have an agenda? Anybody feel real strong about their agenda? You know, I've been having these things happen where I had thought one thing was going to occur and then that didn't occur. Has anybody been having that? Well, great. Then you're experiencing the precursor to the word of the year. Isn't that good? Mendel's had her portion of the Word of the Year since September, and she's been extremely excited to wait to deliver it. Most of our conversations are about her enjoyment of waiting to get to deliver it. And so as we advance towards whatever date, I had to talk to us tonight about the timing of God. And... uh Earlier today, I was making a PowerPoint, and um, I got it all, I would call it the ugly PowerPoint, because I I later on in the day found a combination of things and made this, this was, this is much prettier. But what I didn't know was that when I asked Christy just briefly in like two seconds to proof some of my words, um, I showed her my previous PowerPoint I had made this morning, and there was actually a misspelling on the slide that I had found on Microsoft, and it actually said, um, what does it say? Yeah, it, it, the, the title of the little slide was timing, it's supposed to say timing is everything, but they left out a, a letter and everything, and so it just said everything. everything. <laughs> so I was so thankful that even though I had to spend time reworking this, see, that's the timing of God. Because there was something, see, he works on it in big and small ways. So I'm thinking, I'm done with that little PowerPoint. I'd like to have a little slide for you visual aid needs, needs, for you needy people. I'm just going to call you all my needy people. I'm that too, so that's why I like a visual aid. Then... You know, but when I finish with it, I want to be done because it's one side of my brain. And my other side of the brain is the one that feels confident to get up here and talk. So it needs some work. You don't know that I'm using two parts of my brain right now. I know y'all don't know that. But but see, I, I'm having experiences of the things he's saying before I get to say them. So that I have a um, an experiential truth to testify about, yeah. to, and it's happening for y'all too. Whenever we hopefully on Sunday tell you what we've been anxious to tell you, it's I wanted to tell you tonight why God's timing is so important to Him. You know. The word of the year every year is is from him, for him, about him. It's really not about you. And part of just the privilege of being on the planet that he made is to experience, and, and some of y'all have experienced it this year. I would say that Muha's experienced this year where I actually experience what it's like to really die to my own way but the resurrection was really what it was about see sometimes we get so focused on the loss that think about the people at the cross and they're experiencing the loss but think about Mary. Yeah. 
And when she walked into the grave and she said, oh my gosh, it's true. He was here. I've been face to face with him. I can see this is his facial impression on this grave cloth. Jesus, you know, he was part melon. He's part all the personalities. He had to fold it up in a tidy way. Remember, I taught y'all about that because he says, I'm not coming back here. This was good. Death was good. But the resurrection is why I came to the earth. See, we've got to make this be a year of joyous anticipation of his timing. You know, I, I showed you earlier, but it's, it's like time is in the palm of his hand. It's not, it's not this time on a clock. Because, see, I put that clock on there and I put it on the other one too because that's what we think about timing. We see it in calendar and we see it in minutes and seconds. And he sees it in generations. You know, when I met Lenny, I saw her family in, in a generational, generations of God's 40 years, so just in case you don't know. See, he does something in such a large, what we call earthly span of time, in 40 years as a generation. So he does things, legacies are made through generational connections. You know, when I met Lenny, she wanted to leave a legacy to her grandchildren that weren't born yet. She didn't hook up with Pam and I because she just needed something for herself. And, you know, as we, you know, when you've had a cold... These Kleenexes feel like sandpaper, even though I know they're not. I'm just saying, they feel a little bit like sandpaper. Have your eyes just watered so much that you just want to turn them off? <laughs> you know, whenever you trust in the timing of God, your time is not on your mind. You know how nervous we get about you know, if you want to get married, you're thinking, when's that going to happen? If you don't want to get married, you're so glad that's not happening. <laughs> if your kids know God, you're glad they do, and you wonder when they're going to do whatever you think they're going to do. If your kids don't know God, you're wondering when they're going to give up their wayward ways. And we're just always thinking, when is something going to get fixed? When is something going to change? When is that going to be worked out? When am I going to get a better job? When am I going to like my job? When am I going to find somebody that will love me dearly forever and wait on me and polish my toenails? And <laughs> we, we struggle with things that if we trusted in his timing, we wouldn't struggle with. Am I too old? Did I miss it? Did I stay at that job just too long? Did I move here by accident? It's all about trust in his timing. And in the palm of his hand, he holds all things. You are the apple of his eye. You're on his mind right now. All your needs, all your wants, all the questions you have, all the wonderings, all the ponderings. Are we going to have a meeting or not? What are we going to discuss at the meeting? Are we going to make a calendar? When's the schedule coming out? What am I going to do? Am I a part of it? Am I going to be left out? Am I going to do it? Am I going to know how to do it? Am I going to look stupid? 
It all is right here. Palm of his hand. All those things you worry about. All the things we manufacture to worry about. You know, we're in the process of flipping a house and uh, there's a lot to worry about. You know, I lay awake sometimes going, I wonder if that plumbing's going to work. I wonder if that water is going to work. Did he really mess it all up? All the things, see, are in his timing. I wanted to, when I, I heard two things while I was away, and one was about the timing of God, and the other one was about the former and latter rain. And just as a side note, we're in... <clears throat> Do you know what the former and latter rains mean? Well, dang. We're in it. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> it's a good thing. You know, if you are a farmer, you would be appreciative of the former and the latter rain. And you're a farmer, just in case you didn't know. You know, all last year we talked about seeds we, did you notice that the man waved his hand on the wheat all year? Did anyone notice that on the going out decree, which we'll have new ones of those on Sunday? Did you notice? That was supposed to remind you the harvest is already ready. And I was thinking today about his timing and I... A lot of you probably have read Ecclesiastes. Has anybody ever read? It It talks about all the times of things there are to do on the earth. Let's just read it for fun. I wasn't going to. You want to? Yeah. Let's just read it in the message because it's funner. There's an opportune time to do things right. In the voice, it says, for everything that happens in life, there's a season. I, I looked up that <clears throat> word time, and I put the little definition for you up there. It's an appointed season. Who did the appointing? You? Who does the appointing? Does that appointing means it's decided on beforehand? Yeah. It's designated. Does that help you at all? Yes. Now see on the on the skeptical side of that argument is well then I can just sit back and do nothing. See the the invitation is that there's an appointed moment that God's pre-appointed and I choose. He's got a yes on your life. Do you see it stamped across your forehead? You know, Lynn talked about it on Sunday that at the end of the day, God would much rather us unify than grow in independence. Yeah. Yes. Let me give you a guarantee in life, okay? In unity lies his timing. In independence, you'll miss it. Because see, the the there's there are since it's his plan. There's stepping stones to everything. Haven't you figured that out yet? Yes. I said it earlier. It's why we came to the planet unmature. Un because 
Just like you get delight in watching someone grow. Do you? I get great delight. How many mentors love when you've been talking, 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 talking. And then my favorite one is when they say they discovered it some other random place. Not from you. I was driving down the highway and on a billboard. And you're like, that's the moment to celebrate, even though you know those 5,000 other times you said it. That's how he loves that. Do you understand that there is a father's heart involved, that it gives him great delight you saw the billboard that pointed to the thing that someone had said 500 times before, but it was what one moment that he placed it at that one place, at that one situation, that one moment. See, you've been experiencing these things. It's been him. He said right here in this moment, go to that place. You weren't going to go to that day. To have that experience at that moment. Because I care about your heart. See, that's what he does. Because the timing lies in the hand of God. You know, it says in Ecclesiastes that there's a right time for birth and another time for death. The time to plant, the time to reap, the time to kill, the time to heal, the time to destroy, the time to construct time to cry, time to laugh, a time to lament, a time to cheer, a time to love, a time to abstain from love, a time to embrace, a time, the right time to search out another and count your losses. There's a right time to hold on, another time to let go. <laughs> there's a time to rip out, and there's a time to mend. There's a time to shut up, and there's a time to speak. Thank you, message. It's a time to love. There's a time to hate. Messes you up a little bit. Time to war and time to make peace. So that is sort of a synopsis of life. So whatever you're hanging on to real tight. You know, it's rare that we hang on really tight to something that's horrible. Has anybody come out of anything horrible ever in their life, ever experienced horrible? When you get out, what do you say? What do you say? Thank God I survived that thing. I'm never going to do that again. Nobody says, man, I can't wait to get right back into that big mess. That was so much fun. But how many of us have found ourselves back in that mess? I propose to you that we don't see his timing. We didn't learn the lesson then. So by our own choices, we find ourselves back again. And see, when that repeats over and over and over, you got what I call mess. And just like there was a progression of making the mess, there's a progression of it being restored. Agreed? It's the same way with our minds. There was a progression that taught your mind to think this way. We can point to all kinds of things, religion, society, parents, maybe a TV show, maybe just a person. And so our minds begin to think the way that it needed to think to be involved in whatever it was, right? 
And when God comes calling and he says, it's time for your purpose to bloom, think about how much of my mind needs to be renewed, remade, the re. Isn't it weird? You didn't even know how bad it was. You didn't know all that wacky thinking you were doing. You didn't. But in light of your purpose, in light of the destiny, in light of this compelling by something within you. I love, here's where the compelling is. It's in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. And he also planted eternity inside the human heart. Thank you for the amplified, a sense of divine purpose. Every human being. You want to know how to evangelize? Memorize that. He's planted a sense of divine purpose in everyone. Just speak to the divine purpose. It is a tractor beam towards who else knows their divine purpose. If you don't know it, you're not going to be good at evangelism. And the chances of someone else who doesn't know it stronger than you, they might just hook you right on in to the strongness of what they know. And you'll have left your divine purpose behind. Because they were so much stronger. And then you'll have to get over that. Because the divine purpose never quits calling. Listen, you evangelistic people, this is in every human heart. He said it right here. I love it. It's a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Just say that. Have you had a mysterious longing that nothing you're doing is satisfying you? I know the answer. But don't say that if you don't know the answer. Because they're, to quote the old poem, their self-built prison walls are strong. Remember the poem, do you hear what I'm not saying? I've read it many times. Self-built prison walls are strong because it hadn't panned out. They keep running into the ones that don't know their divine destiny, and they keep telling them stuff about them that's not true that goes along with what they're doing that doesn't have anything to do with divine destiny, and on and on and on. But it's timing. Where you intersect, who you intersect with, it's an opportunity for one of you to win over the other one. Have you ever been one over to the side that you just thought, wow, this is a mudslide. I need to get out of here. The religious world, getting out of that thing. That's an old, ugly mudslide. He's made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. Who has time? You don't have time. You can't make nothing happen. See, part of the process of loving his timing is my reaction to time. You know, I get this a lot. I love that we started a construction company a long time ago. 20 seven, eight years ago, whatever it is now. Because nothing works out in time. My time, and nothing works out with the calendar. But it always works out with who God wants us to meet. Now, customers don't understand this. (laughs) Now, I'm not a people pleaser like Pammy. 
So those angry people, they don't bother me, but they bother me a little bit. They're frustrated. Where are you? What's wrong with you? Why did you say that? I didn't say that. One thing we don't ever say is when it'll be done. It's impossible to know what you don't know. So it's timing. Let's, there's three little points I wanted to make from this chapter. One is, everything God does is substantial. I'm going, to, I'm going to propose we hook up with this guy. I'm just giving you his credentials. Everything he does is big. It's substantial. Is everything you do substantial? Well, I want to do the stuff he's doing then. Do you? See, he's doing, he's doing something on the earth. The question is, will I be brave enough to do it with those that are doing it with him or not because it's going to be out of this world it's going to be supernatural so it's going to be unknown by you Lynn said it good on Sunday if you don't have a pre-yes Something else in your brain is going to kick in to decide how much you're in. For some of you, it's logic. For some of you, you just don't trust anybody. For some of you, you're just tired. Some of you, you're just lazy. Some of you are just like, well, if it looks like something I want to do that day, I will. But some of you are like, I don't really care what it is. I don't really care what it sounds like. Just because Tisa mentioned it, I'm just going to do it. Why? Because we trust. We trust that we already intersected with his timing. I'm already in the tractor beam pull. I don't want out. I can't get out. I can't find the exit. I'm not looking for it lit up. I don't care. And so my productivity changes. When I've already said yes. I'm not wondering how long it's going to take, how long it's going to take to remodel, how long it's going to take to get things right, how long it's going to take to do this, how long it's going to take. I don't care about any of that. I don't care if we got Pringles. I don't care what we got. Right? Because it's a pre- I've got to do this thing, whatever this thing ends up being, because it's substantial. I'm not looking around at the substantialness in the room. I'm looking at the substantialness of him. The next one is everything God accomplishes lasts forever. Do I need to quote the scripture? If you build with man-made poop, you get man-made stuff. But if you build with kingdom materials, what are kingdom materials? Honor. A culture that protects itself. Being a person of my word, being prophetic, believing I'm prophetic. I'm in a house of prophetic people. I bet he's going to tell you something someday. He don't tell nobody else. Doing something with my propheticness. Because everything he's doing is about forever. That's why he planted each. Do you get, do you see the combination He put eternity. How long is eternity? So that means what I'm doing here is not just for here. That's why that this system here is a rewardable system. 
He didn't even say that about eternity. What did he say about eternity? What you do here positions you in eternity. You'll either be the gardener, which will be a great gig because, you know, it's eternity with God. (laughs) Or you'll be a ruler over cities. You'll be a governor. Now, some of you are like, I don't want that. That's just all you're doing is comparing it to politics today. See, that's what we do. We hear about the promises and rewards of God, and we compare it to some earthly growth system, and we say, I don't know if I want to work for that. The next one is every word God speaks makes a difference. That's why everything matters. Everything you speak creates. That's the beauty of being a human. Is that God put within you creative ability with your mouth. It's part of, you're going to understand this more when we give you the word of the year. It's part of the stewardship of my life. So here's what God told me today. The first one is God says, my timing this is him speaking, is what happens when someone surrenders fully to me. It's more than they have surrendered to that little G. Now let's think about this. Surrendering is happening all the time. So let's just say, for instance, God gifted you. One of your spiritual giftings is that you can, you get a physical feeling of some sort of sickness when and that's meant for you to pray for other people but you weren't raised to know that so when you would go to your mommy and daddy and you'd say my throat hurts then we would go to the doctor because that's what all logical people do but see supernatural people do something different Did you have a sore throat? Did it get worse? Did you get strep throat? Probably because you created the opportunity with your mouth for there to be more than what the original. And that's how we use these spiritual gifts. If you're a feeler, it's the same way. God originally planted an emotion within you that he wanted to heal in somebody else. He wanted to speak to you. I mean, but you didn't know it. You were a little kid. You know, Mendel is, I mean, she's been completely transparent. But, you know, that injury when she was six years old, God's still giving her different angles. Just today gave her a different angle to look at it. It still is actually maturing within her. Because why? For 40 years, she did a different system with that feeling. And that thing is strong. I'll be like, no, 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 no. Off we go with that feeling. No, 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 come back. He was talking to her just about today. See, that's what he does. He has to then retrain our brain. Because we were untrained with this thing called a spiritual gift. It's your greatest weapon on the earth. Your spiritual gift is your greatest weapon. That's why it's so important that you find out what it is and that you train it. And see, when I've yielded it to anything but God... That became a little G. Just own it. It probably wasn't your fault. But you're still doing it. As an adult, you're still doing it. Just say, nobody knew. Nobody knew. Okay? Nobody knew. All this stuff wasn't out then. Okay? It's the beauty of being you. Is that, you know, I've we've discovered there's other uses for these things. We don't all have to go to the hospital and get our appendix out every week. We don't all have to go to the hospital and get radiation every week. We can actually heal people. 
this spiritual gift that's being activated in me through this physical experience is actually the gift of healing. And everyone has a spiritual gift in this room. Everyone on the planet has one. And I promise you, all of our spiritual gifts have been shifted to work for little G's. Just look at the pharmaceutical industry. It's the indicator of all the little G's at work. Everyone would rather take a pill then grow up supernaturally. I'm just telling you the truth. Everyone in here has a spiritual gift. Everyone on the planet has a spiritual gift. And all of our spiritual gifts have bowed to a little G, have bowed to a subservient way of operating in the supernatural with the spiritual gift. Everybody in the room has a spiritual gift. It's either used... For the creator of the universe in its way, in its mature, educated, supernaturally way, or it's going to be used with logic. It's humanistic. That's a little G. And when I surrendered fully to that, and we were all taught to do this, I'm just telling you. I didn't, we never even had the inkling that this might be a spiritual gift going off, a spiritual trigger. <laughs> the next one he told me is that this is about God's timing. Do you get it? Are you putting it together that his timing comes about with my full surrender? Yeah. You're not going to look like what you think you're going to look like. Yeah. You, supernaturally mature, look nothing like you now. Wow. You should continue to profound yourself confound yourself be profound something pro and found i don't know there's things are together you should continually you should you should keep blowing your own mind you should keep coming up with stuff that you're like where did a man how'd that come out of my mouth because i'm unsurrendered to the little g all the stuff i didn't even know i was doing Stuff coming out of my mouth that's just giving the devil credit. Didn't even know it. Stuff coming out of my mouth, all worried and fretful and using my spiritual gifts to make myself feel better. Mm-mm. God's timing is about a people who have said amen to my yes. Then it makes their amen, which what is amen? It's so be it, let it be. It's just, it's done. It's like an agreement of finality. If he says, yes, you have that spiritual gift, you say amen. And on the side, you can say, man, I'm so clumsy with it. He goes, I don't care. I don't care if you're clumsy. Keep tying that shoe. Just keep tying. Keep tying. You're going to get a muscle memory. Because, see, you already got a muscle memory. You understand you got a muscle memory right now that you learned, and it's it's partnering up with a little G all the time. Just hear a little bit of news, just feel a little feeling, and your mouth's already shooting off. I hope I don't have COVID. Well, who cares if you had COVID? I mean, why are we even getting tested anymore? I mean, it's like, okay, it's like the cold. I mean, I'm just saying we put so much emphasis on whatever media tells us to emphasize, and we're not really asking the Holy Spirit, how do you see it? (laughs) How do you want me to view it? (laughs) So the so be it and the let it be is saying I'm lining up with his design and purpose. That's what his yes is to. Now, listen. His yes isn't to any old way we want to be. Our low level, I'm I'm some label, I'm some this that somebody made up, I'm no good, I'm going to be in a hovel. None of that is an amen. That's not even his yes. He has a design and a purpose. Your personality, your geographical location, your spiritual gift, your weight, your size, your height, your gender, all of it has to do with his design. Yeah. 
That's why it's ridiculous for us women to hate on our body shape. To hate, I mean, if you don't like it, change it. It's, it's stupid to hate on the things, our skin color, our hair curliness, our hair straightness, all of those things that make it our hair color, our eye color, all those things don't matter. We get so fixated on the stuff that's just a preference. Yes. So my yeah, I mean my amen is to something that's already been affirmed. Do you get that? Really, when we talk about us saying yes, it's really saying yes to being able to say amen. It's really saying, okay, I'm already in agreement that this is what you say about me. I mean, think about how many things that you know about you now that you didn't when you first came. You had no amen on it. Right? So you've progressed. There's more. I mean, we have to begin to envision ourselves walking in prophetic declarations about everywhere we go. That's the way we're supposed to envision ourselves. I know none of us are 100%. But we can be 100%. I propose this is the year we step into the 100%. That we're not up one day, down the next. Two weeks up, oh, I lost my sweet spot. Remember how we just could barely hang on to our sweet spot for 10 minutes? Think about all the tools, like dreams and visions and all these things he could use if we just said amen to it. The next one he told me today, I don't have much more, don't be nervous. God says my timing is about a people allowing me to have my way through them. They're all dead. Do you like that? To other gods and all dead to what other gods have created in them. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen world. And so the little G, if he raised you, how many little G's raised you? Yeah. That was a system. Yeah. Right. You understand it? A way of thinking. Yeah. Yes. And however distorted it is from the plumb line. Who has the plumb line? Yeah. Jesus has the plumb line. He's the word. Yeah. He's the truth. Yeah. Right? right? Incorruptible truth. Can't be messed up. Yeah. Right? Solid. Right. Plumb line. I have to adjust all my thinking back to the plumb line. That means I have to look at it and decide, do I agree with that or not? Does that line up with, that's why that's taking every thought captive is what that is. And remember, it's muscle memory, brain memory. We learned about this two years ago. It's just, all it is is way that you've thought for a long time and you've not questioned it. That's all those wacky thoughts are. You just don't you just don't take time to think about it. You just don't take time to think, well, is this a good thing I'm thinking? Is this idle thought that I'm not even thinking about thinking about? Is it big G or little G? So if it's infiltrating, then I'm not allowing him. I've put a stop to my allowance of him because I'm allowing another thought to dominate. That's really all the mentors are doing, are trying to sort through all those wacky thoughts that you won't sort through. You could sort through them without them, with him. But you just, they've just laid their idol like a dead piece of meat. And every now and then an event happens and it pokes its head up and you're like, well, I wonder why I feel like that. Well, because that's just been laying over there. <clears throat> you hadn't picked it up. You hadn't looked at it. You hadn't dusted under there. Nothing. And now an event has happened 20 years later that you're like, well, I better deal with that now. That's what those random thoughts laying around that infiltrate us and they make us feel bad because they don't line up with God. And then we 
Unfortunately, manipulate other people around us. We usually marry someone we can manipulate. We manipulate somebody around us to make us feel okay with that. And then some event happens that it pokes his head up, and we go, whoa, I might need to call somebody about this. It's real bad. It's real bad. And that person, the mentor's on their line going, I already knew that. Like you do all kinds of things that tell me you think that. Right? That's what happens when you really aren't all in on mentoring. You're just like, I'll just let them see if they find out anything about me. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I've done this a lot longer than y'all have. My last little point here is God says, my timing, I don't need to prove myself to you. You need to prove yourself to me. Now, before that makes you nervous, let me just prove it with the scripture. See, it's the only one I got a scripture because I knew y'all would be all nervous about it. You ready? It says, do everything you can do. To present yourself to God as a man who is fully genuine. I love this in in the Passion. He said, always be eager to present yourself before God as a perfect, mature minister without shame. That kind of took it up a level. As one who correctly explains the word of truth. I love this. It says, don't become frustrated. Hurry up and keep on hurrying and consider it a serious manner and keep on considering it as something serious to present yourself before God. That sounds like you're doing it on purpose. Hurry up. Get yourself in there. Present yourself to God. Here I am, God. How do you feel about me? Let me prove myself to you, God. Give me an assignment. I asked for this assignment. I said, move us out of our comfort zone. You know, little Army, he's frustrated he got the date wrong, but he knew. He knew we were moving out, moving up. He's just a practicing prophet. They sometimes get those timings messed up because they just think about themselves and how eager they want to be in a different place. But now that we're here, he's good. We're all just practicing prophets. My last two. Y'all can read uh, 2 Timothy, right? Be it intellect or independence or pursuit or gifts or goals, nothing trumps or comes in front of what God wants to do within and through us. It must be his agenda for him, for his glory alone, all for him to be known. That's why you're on the planet. You're not on the planet to have a great business. You're not on the planet to have a great job. You're not. I'm sorry. You're not on the planet to have a great marriage. You're on the planet to make him known. And if you do that, you'll have a great job. You'll have a great marriage. You'll have a great church. You'll have great relationships. You'll have all kinds of experience. And you'll interact with all these people whose heart is crying out saying, Eternity's in here. I don't even know what to do with it. Last one. Every time he speaks, it's a treasure. I either believe it, ingest it, change my behavior to line up with it, or I spend another year and it goes by in my independent pursuit of pleasing a different God. You know, you've got to read Philippians 3. I had this encounter with him today. Because this is, this is what I've come to know. I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experience Jesus as my Lord. See, that's the delight that pers- makes me want to pursue getting everything out of me that doesn't look like Him. Every thought I want 
people to look into me. I want God to look into me. I want to present myself before God and people. I want people to tell me how I'm interacting with them. I don't want to hide. (laughs) I don't want to hide anything. I don't want to be independent. I know my spiritual gift is, is incumbent upon unity. It has to have covenant to work. It's like having a bunch of wheels and thinking it can drive around. It's got to have a car. It's got to have an engine. It's got to have a body. You're the same way. You've got to have a body within to operate. This is how the spiritual gift was set up by God. And if we realize that all the other stuff, in compared to just getting to know him, it's nothing. The reason we're doing this, the reason why we're here, the reason is so that we can tell people how to know him like we know him. And so wouldn't you want to keep knowing him more? Wouldn't you want to keep knowing him more and more and more? That's the aim. That's the goal. That's the reason we do one life. That's the reason why we invite people. That's the reason why we're going to have encounter rooms. That's the reason why we're going to have teach people all kinds of activities and arts and have lessons because we want to teach people how to do it his way. We actually just want to bump into people. We want to make things available just so we get to bump into people. Why? So we can demonstrate what we know about him. Agreed? Yes. Okay. I think I'm done. Come on, Mendel. Thank you, Tisa. It's an awesome word, huh? Well, I had a dream the other night that came back to my mind um, while Tisa was talking, and I was revisiting that dream today, and so I felt like it was pertinent. After hearing her talk tonight, I realized which part of the dream was pertinent, more pertinent, more impertinent. That's what I wanted to say, more impertinent. Can we make up a new word? Impertinent. An important pertinent word is impertinent. We can make a t-shirt with that, right? Yes, impertinent. So in this dream, I thought it was just a really fun, encouraging dream, but there was a little part that stood out to me. So to tell you the dream, basically, I was going to graduate. And this is another one of those dreams where I knew that it represented us, okay, as a tribe. So what happened for me represented us. And so I knew I was going to graduate, and I was preparing for a graduation ceremony. And it was kind of a a long, drawn-out process, had multiple steps involved. And for some weird reason, like it happens in dreams, there was part, one of the steps was that you stayed in an apartment-type room at this sort of government facility, facility type place. And you stayed overnight there for some reason. There were just all these different steps. But for some reason, my dad was the one staying in the room at the facility instead of me, even though it was my graduation. And so I knew that all this stuff was happening and I was supposed to meet up with him at a certain time. And he was supposed to I knew that his instructions were that he was supposed to be ready to leave the room by 2.40. And so I was supposed to arrive at 2.30. And I was told by someone else that he wanted, my dad wanted me to come specifically at that time because he wanted me to be present for when he was given the patent, the patent for his song. And it, which was going, he wanted me to be present because that song was going to be given to me to steward. And and a patent was going to be issued that sort of authenticated it and, you know, said it was his and his alone. And so that was really encouraging, right? Just that part was kind of cool. But um, so he wanted me to be present because this was going to be passed on to me. And so I went to, so it was time for me to go, and I went to, to this government-type facility, which I think represented like the a governmental nature of God, you know, God's government. 
And I, on my way there, there were a small group of people that were heading in the same direction I was into the place. There were a lot of people leaving the place. And I even saw some relatives leaving. And it was a pretty good large crowd that was leaving, going in the opposite flow from, from where I was heading. And so I got there and I was surprised at all this stuff that had been going on in this room just overnight. It was all this, all sorts of stuff was set up in there. Like a lot had been accomplished and, um, but I couldn't, I didn't see my dad there. And so I was where I was supposed to be at, uh, according to the instructions I was given, but he wasn't there. I couldn't see him at least in the moment. And so I began to wonder, am I in the right place at the right time? Did I hear those instructions correctly? Maybe all those people going that other way knew something I didn't. That's the part of the dream that stood out to me today and that I think is relevant to what Tisa talked about tonight is how confident are we in God's timing and ability to develop us in our life leading up to the different stages of graduation and what he's bringing us into. So I feel like some of us are experiencing that. Some of us are having moments where we're like, well, am I in the right place at the right time? And if we're not careful, we'll do what Tisa talked about. Well, we, we will revert back to leaning on the little G gods that he has so um, brought us out of. Because when we get, get afraid, we get into fear, we start second guessing, we start leaning back on old systems, old logic and all sorts of things to try to figure out what's going on here and how can I solve this feeling of uncomfortability that I'm experiencing right now. And so, you know, just the fact that in my dream, even I was supposed to arrive at 2.30 so we could leave at 2.40. So there was a gap there. There was a waiting. And I didn't see what I expected to see, but I, I needed to just wait. In the dream, it wasn't, I wasn't given a bunch of different instructions and just chose one. It wasn't cloudy. It was very clear. Do this at this time. Go here. And so we, I needed to have confidence in that and wait and wait for his timing. And as Tisa was talking, I was reminded of the story of Elijah and Elisha, which I didn't study this out before this before now, because I just thought of it. But, um, so I, but I've heard, you know, and I've read in the story that, you know, Elisha wanted a double portion of Elijah's mantle. And Elijah told him, well, if you see me when I'm taken, then you'll receive it. And so he stayed, Elisha stayed with Elijah and even though Elijah told him to leave and go do something, he was like, no, I'm staying where I know I'm supposed to be. I'm staying in my position and I'm waiting on the timing. I don't know what it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. And so I'm not going to grow weary in the waiting and just decide to go do something else because it seems like it's taken so long, too long, or this doesn't make sense to me, or even other people are saying other things and maybe go in a different direction. I'm not going to revert back to that. So he stayed where he needed to be. And so when Elijah was taken, he was there and in position. And I, I believe it's Bill Johnson who talks about it. But he I've heard that, you know, people will say that Elijah was taken up in the chariot of fire. But but Bill Johnson talks about how that's not really the case. He was actually just taken up, but that the chariots of fire that came um, were almost a test for Elisha is the way I understand it to not distract him from keeping his eyes on what he was told to do to receive the, the mantle, the double portion. And so even up to those final min minutes, I mean, there can be some really big, big fiery distractions. There can be fiery feelings. We can have fiery thoughts. And God help you if you've turned back towards one of those little G-gods. That'll just flare up all sorts of stuff. And so you don't want to. God help you. Which brings me to my next point. He's ready to help. And so uh, he was talking to me today about how ready and available he is to help us. And so 
like um, Tisa said in one of her last slides about the one that had to do with Second Timothy five, I think about you know it, he she said. Um, he doesn't need to prove himself to us, but we need to prove ourselves to him. Well, if you remember in previous messages, the proving out process is actually even a refining process, like the proving of, of gold. You know, it, it's a refining process. So what I saw in that slide was that, well, he doesn't need to prove his ability to us. His ability to bring us to the right place in life, to mature us and bring us along up to our graduation steps along the way, it's unfaltering. It hasn't changed. It's always been the same. Okay, so it doesn't need to be proven to us. But if we don't have enough confidence in it, we need to bring our lack of confidence in him to him to be proven, for that to be proven out. We need to be honest with our with him, especially with him and with our mentors and the other people in our lives. We've got to go and be honest and say, I'm having this doubt. I'm afraid I'm turning back to using logic. I'm having, you know, these feelings. I really don't know if I can trust God that he he led me to take the right steps two years ago or three years ago or last week. We've got to take our bring ourselves to him to prove that out to be proven out, to be refined in that moment. And he was talking to me about that today, about how ready and willing he is to help us with that. So I just wanted to share this tonight because it's an encouragement, I think, for us to hear that other people are experiencing things that we may be experiencing and wanting to hide and feeling ashamed about because we know, well, I shouldn't think that. I know I shouldn't be impatient. I shouldn't doubt. I shouldn't do that. I know I should have confidence. I know I shouldn't be in fear about maybe I made the wrong decision two years ago or whatever it is. We know the shouldn'ts and the shoulds, but he's relational and he wants to help us with all of those things that that come up in us. And it may be, in fact, a time where he wants to, to unlayer you on a new level that it in itself is a graduation so that you could be free on a new level in some of these areas. So in this season where we've we've heard great promise about what he's doing, Papa, I just ask that you would just release over your people and over your children just a wave of your affection for them, of your tender-hearted care for them, and how you are waiting patiently for each one of them to come to you just as they are in this season to come to you just as they are in the present day tension that they're living in, that you are standing there and waiting. You are hungry. I just see you even standing at the doors of this building right now, waiting like you've stepped into this building and they're saying, Aaron, I'm waiting for you. Bailey, I'm waiting for you. Gwen, I'm waiting for you. Like each, he's there waiting for each one of us at the door so that when we walk out of here tonight, he said, will you take my hand in a new way? Take my hand in a new way and come talk to me about where you're at right now. Let's work through it together. Let's take this opportunity in the waiting to actually be refined and prepared for the graduation that you can trust me with. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are a man of your word and you don't release a word unless you've already released the power for it to be effective. Something always changes when you speak. So I just prophesy that the words that were shared tonight hold power and truth and are fully capable of transforming each person in this room, each heart in this room, each soul, each mind, each everything in the way that's needed right now in this current season. And so I just release it and I say yes and amen to what you have already said yes to in this moment for this purpose. And Holy Spirit, we just say, we just say, and if, you'll, if you agree with me, just say this after me, that I surrender completely to your process for me in this moment. And I trust you completely, even with my lack of trust. So, Papa, we thank you tonight. We lift you up and we say, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. 
who died for me so that I could be a living temple for the king. We just say thank you for making us living temples. We aren't desolate temples. We aren't, we aren't ancient ruins left to decay. That we are a living temple that's active and breathing and has a full cleaning crew. <laughs> so we just thank you that you care about the status of our temple, the condition of our temple. And so we invite you to come and be with us today, tonight, and in the coming days. And just work with us in whatever way you want to. We love you, we love you, we love you. We love your tender heart. We love the package that you made in us and the package that you made in this tribe. We love the way you speak and the way you breathe. So I just thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Warrior Team. I thank you for all the steps that you've led us on to get to this point, to this night. Every night, every day is a graduation day with you. There's always something new. So we just say thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your tender heart that you're releasing over the room. So we thank you, Papa. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>